this morning, but we're, we're delighted that Eva and Jeffrey and Anna is with us from Ohio, and Jessica is here with us tonight. And so we're so glad to see them. It's always a pleasure for them to come and be with us. Uh, they're down uh, for Thanksgiving with uh, Eva's son, and so we're glad they're here with us, and they'll be here for a few days. If you would be opening your Bibles to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. We're going to notice verses 3 and 4 in just a few moments. <clears throat> Tonight, we want to talk perhaps in maybe a little more detail about the great Creator. The great Creator. Bringing to remembrance much of what we already know, but perhaps moving it to the forefront and, and examining again just exactly the relationship that we have with the great Creator. In our English Bibles, the first book is Genesis. The Greeks called it origination because it was the beginning of all things. Now the Jews had no title for Moses' first book except for its first word, which was Reshith, in the beginning. That's where that phrase comes from. And Genesis does set forth all the beginnings of this life, doesn't it? It begins with the knowledge of God. Man, woman, the world in general, we understand and we learn about the beginning of these things brought about by the great Creator. We learn about domestic relations and the family unit, the institution of marriage. Sin and its consequences is brought to the forefront fairly quickly in, in this very first book of origination. God's worship... And his, man, and his plan for man's redemption is brought about. It talks about nations of the world, and in particular it begins to talk about God's nation, or what would become God's nation. In some aspects, and in some respects, perhaps Genesis is the most remarkable book of the Bible. Its very first statement is perhaps the greatest statement ever uttered in the beginning. And we learn so much from that. From the outset, we hear the truth about God, don't we? We understand that there is the great Creator who designed all that we see and there is only one. We learn that from the beginning. In his poetry, David said this, Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Now David was a shepherd, and he would have had countless occasions to lie beneath the, the night's sky and, and look up at the stars and all the wonderful things and enjoy God's brilliance. And he did recognize that it did come from God. It was a product of His creative handiwork. And he recognized it as the magnificence of his creation. This very same man spoke the words we find in Psalm 8, beginning with verse 3. He said, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. From this scripture, we learn a lot of things about the great Creator. 
First thing we're going to notice tonight, this is our first point. God produced all things. He is the source. But only God has that ability, doesn't He? Only God has the ability to do those things and He has certain innate characteristics that does allow that to happen. I want us to notice that He is omnipotent. Omni coming from uh, or meaning the word all. Potent meaning power. He is all powerful. He has all power. I want us to notice some of the power of God that He set forth for us to to recognize in Amos 1, in Amos chapter 2, He sent fire down upon the nations. And He used nations to carry out His will as Isaiah said, a man would wield an axe. Isaiah 10 verse 5. His glory filled the temple and it made the good man. Isaiah say, woe is unto me, I'm undone. Isaiah 6 verse 5. That's the power of God. He wrote with His finger the Ten Commandments upon tablets of stone, Exodus 31. He can reach down into Sheol or He can reach way up into heaven to find all who would evade Him. And the prophet declared, Amos 9 verse 2, Though they dig into hell, thence shall mine hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. He's all powerful. He has that divine characteristic. He created heaven and earth and when He chooses at His leisure, the prophet Peter said that He would destroy both in His time. He said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? 2 Peter 3, 10-11. Job said, I know that thou canst do all things. And Jeremiah said, there's nothing too hard for thee. God is omnipotent. But He is also omniscient. Omni, the word from which we get our word all, science meaning knowledge, to know. He knows all things. Nothing escapes His attention at all. Nothing gets past His eyesight. He knows all things. After having been banished by Sarah, Hagar made a statement concerning this great God of heaven, Genesis 16 verse 13. She said, Thou God sees me. She was out in the desert. She thought she was close to death. She was about to watch in her mind her young son die, but she knew God talked to her, sent an angel to her. God sees me. God is all-knowing. Hannah prayed after the birth of her son Samuel, saying, The Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. 1 Samuel 2, 3. This is the God we serve. David appealed to Solomon to follow after the things of God. He said, The Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. 1 Chronicles 28.9 Job said, He looketh to the ends of the earth and he seeth the whole heaven. He sees it all. He's all 
knowing. He's omniscient. The writer of Hebrews noted this. He said, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto his eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hebrews 4.13 God is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He knows all things, but He is also omnipresent. Coming from the word omni, meaning all, present, meaning to exist or occur now. He's everywhere at all times. We can't get away from God. David asked. He said, Psalm 139, beginning with verse 7, Whither shall I go from the Spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. And it is true. There is no doubt about it. The heaven of heaven cannot contain our God. Second Chronicles 2.6 And Luke recorded that He's never far from any of us. Acts 17.27 And because of that, because of that very knowledge of those statements given to us by God, Paul could confidently say as he stood before his first defense, no man on earth stood with me, but God stood with me because He's always with us. And because of these characteristics, when we notice that God produced all things, He did in fact create. He created, didn't He? The first statement of the Bible is simple enough for even a child to understand it, yet it holds with it the very example. It gives us the very movements that happened at the very beginning of time of all of creation. God is behind all things, isn't He? He's there. He is eternal and He is the first great cause, Psalm 92. There has to be a first cause. Life cannot come from non-life. There had to be a first life. And of course that first life is God. Created comes from the Hebrew word meaning bara, or that is the Hebrew word, and it means create, bara. And only God is able to actually create in the strictest sense, meaning taking nothing and creating something. We can't do that, can we? We can create from those things of which God has created, but we cannot create from nothing. God has demonstrated that to us. He alone is able to bring into existence something that was never before. Herbert Spencer, he noted the five basic scientific principles and all five of them are found in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, time, God, force, created, motion, the heaven, space, and the earth, matter. All five principles. And of course at that point the earth was disorganized, light had yet to be created, but we learn through the process of the creation 
and the account left for us that all three persons of the Godhood played a part in that creation. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God spoke and the Spirit organized. But something had to create. Well, John, the Apostle of Love, tells us in John 1.1, he said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So we see the, the interaction of all three persons of the one God in the creation of the physical world. We see it in the creation of the spiritual world as well. God, the eternal purpose, the Father, He was the designer, Christ was the builder, the creator, and we see in Acts and on down through the New Testament, the Holy Spirit organized the church. We see that creation going on. Not only did God produce all things, but He prepared the earth for His greatest creation, people. He made it a place where we'd want to be, didn't He? He gave the first couple a place to live, a paradise as it were, and everything was added to it that life required in order for them to be able to live on this earth. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed, Genesis 2.8. They were given more than even the Lord Himself when He lived in this world, weren't they? Do you recall what Jesus said? He said, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not anywhere to lay His head, Matthew 8, verse 20. But see, God, in His great wisdom and in His love, prepared a place for humanity to be. And what a blessing that was. They had plenty to eat, Genesis 1.29. He said, I've given you every seed. Go ahead and eat. Every fruit of the tree, go ahead and eat. Have all that you want. Just don't eat from the one tree. And they couldn't even do that. He provided work for them to occupy their time. It was never God's intention for people to be lazy. And He's never done for us what we could do for ourselves. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Genesis 2.15 Now, when we look back at the, at the result of the sin that Adam and Eve committed, we see that things began to get harsh for Adam as he worked and he tilled the earth. Now work was never the punishment. Work was there prior to the fall, but after the fall, it became much more difficult. No longer would the ground bring forth the, the, the produce and the fruit with little labor. See, now at that point, Adam would have to fight with the weeds and the thorns and the thistles and and all those other things that were brought about because of his sin. God gave them a place to live as he prepared the world. But he also gave them something to love. Living in a place is not nearly as good as living in a place and having someone to love, is there? The first couple had a beautiful relationship with God. We see that his great love for mankind, it's obvious that God wanted a relationship he wanted offspring, he wanted to have children, and he wanted to be able to have a relationship with them 
that was as beautiful as it was. We remember that even after they sinned, God still wanted a relationship. Wasn't it Adam and Eve who were hiding, yet God was looking, searching them out? It was God who went to them. They weren't looking for God in their shame and in their sin, but God came to them. But they also had each other. What a wonderful blessing to have a godly mate in this life, right? Boy, I tell you, it makes all the difference in the world to help us through this life and on into the next. That's what we need to look for. Do you remember what God called Eve? Now, I've often heard people say, well, she was a helpmate. No, she was a helpmeet. Helpmeet. She was there to help Adam meet the responsibilities of this life of which God had laid upon him. Now that's a, that's a special partner. Unlike any other partner whom Adam could have had, he had this very special helpmeet. Paul described that very beautiful relationship between the husband and the wife in relationship and used as illustration the relationship between Christ and His church. Christ being the head and the church being His bride. We notice that as we look and we talk about the great Creator, He produced all things. And He made sure things were prepared for us, not just physically, but spiritually as well. Let's sing a song. 488.